I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ. We welcome you back to our website. This sermon is a continuation of the previous sermon, and it's about 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The subject matter is the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of his people someday to a glorious eternity. Those two things are Corinthians 15. Here's just a brief review of what we did in the previous sermon from 1 Corinthians 15. God threw Paul to the church at Corinth. We discovered in the previous sermon at verse 12 in 1 Corinthians 15, though the resurrection of Christ was and is foundational to our faith and was attested by over 500 witnesses, questions were being raised in Corinth about the concept, the reality of resurrection. And verse 12 says, Paul confronted this by asking, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So 1 Corinthians 15 begins with the affirmation of the historical fact of Christ's resurrection and challenges any dissent about God's ability to raise the dead. That Christ arose from the dead, the Corinthians had accepted, yet in regard to any future resurrection of others, some did not believe that. So at verse 20, in fact, Paul said, Christ has been raised from the dead. Now, after the affirmation of this historical fact and Paul's censor of any dissent, there is a very necessary place Paul goes with this. The resurrection of Christ is connected to the Christian's hope of being raised to glory. The message is Christ has been raised from the dead. That God raised Christ is confirmed. God will raise Christians to glory. That is also true. Here's why that positive testimony should be so cherished and significant for Christians. The impact is, just as Christ was raised, his people will be raised. The truth of Christ's resurrection provides assurance of our resurrection. So let's pay careful attention to how the apostle develops this, continuing now at verse 21 of 1 Corinthians 15. This is a lengthy reading, but it is so necessary. It is God's word through Paul to the church at Corinth and for us. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 58. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. 
The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus, it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. 
Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. While my plan is not to provide an analysis of each verse here, I want us to see the core truth Paul is driving at. And even though some of these verses may read in sort of a complicated way, the core truth Paul is driving at is exceedingly clear. In verse 22, in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Physical death came through Adam. Christ brings the defeat of death. In the resurrection at the end of time, those who belong to Christ will be raised. Paul is connecting two things the resurrection of Christ, and the resurrection of those who belong to him at his coming. Just as Christ was raised, his people will be raised to glory. One is the guarantee of the other. Now, in in biblical writing, there is the frequent use of analogies to help readers understand what is being discussed, like preachers using illustrations. There are many examples of imagery, in the Bible that is designed to help us. Analogies. Jesus is the good shepherd. We are the sheep, and that analogy helps us understand our need to put ourselves under his care. Jesus is the king. We are citizens of his kingdom. When the word of God is preached, it is like seed planted in soil, and the outcome depends upon the condition of the soil. In parables and metaphors and analogies, The writers of the Bible intend to make it easy for us to understand what we need to know. Well, in this passage, there are three related analogies to help the reader understand that God can raise the dead, and he will. There is an analogy concerning agriculture, one concerning creation, and one concerning space. See, There were people in the church at Corinth saying they didn't know about the resurrection. Can God raise the dead? Even though they admitted Christ arose. Some were saying, how were the dead raised? Do you see that in verse 35? How were the dead raised? Well, Paul doesn't give a detailed answer or some sort of step-by-step 
objective explanation of the mechanics of resurrection. He uses analogies to help the people understand God can do it. Now, what I'm saying here is critical. Don't miss it. The question in verse 35 is, how are the dead raised? Paul makes no attempt to describe completely the process. Rather, he uses analogies to help people understand God can do this. He did it with Christ. He will do it with all men at the end of time, those who belong to Christ, a resurrection to glory. First analogy, you put seed in the ground. The seed and the result have a molecular relationship, of course. You can't get apples from corn seed. But God is at work in that process, giving life to the seed. The bare kernel becomes wheat or some other grain. God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. Do you see? Paul is not giving a scientific discourse or a detailed description of how this works. He just illustrates that it does work because God is in the process and God has that kind of power. Here's the argument. Why does it seem incredible that God raised Christ or that God will raise us? He does something like that every day in the garden, on the farm, or the ranch, where there is vegetation and growth. There is molecular continuity between seed and plant. But God makes this happen. It is his creative power that is seen over and over when seed is put into dirt and a flower or a plant emerges. How can God raise the dead? He does something like that every day. Second analogy, look at human and animal creation. Just as God gives the seed life in beautiful variety, God gave humans, animals, and birds different kinds of bodies. In our observation of the created world, it should be clear to us God can do these things. God can raise the dead, and he did in the case of Christ. He'll do it again at the end of time. Third analogy, space. What does space tell us? Why, it tells us what God can do, what God can make that man cannot duplicate or perfectly understand. I'm reading verses 40 and 41. 1 Corinthians 15, I'm reading 40 and 41. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly of another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. The study of stars and space, the moon and sun, should be part of the total evidence of divine creation and divine power. And once we see that, there's no stretch to believe God can raise the dead. So listen to Paul's response to unbelief, his analogies, and his affirmations. Listen again in 1 Corinthians 15 from 35, from verse 35 down through verse 42. 
But someone will ask, how were the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. Now listen to verse 42. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. Paul is not saying, now here, folks, are the mechanics and the processes of the resurrection. No, Paul is saying, just as you see a seed turn into something else, just as you see varieties of creative work and amazing heavenly bodies, you need to understand from these analogies, God doesn't have any trouble raising the dead. Now, from verse 42 into the next several verses, Paul takes off from the seed analogy toward an affirmation about God raising the dead. In the case of the resurrection of the dead, what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. I'll use myself as an example. There is uh, arthritis in my body. There's some hearing loss and aches and pains that accompany aging. When God raises me from the dead, the new resurrected body will not have any arthritis or any imperfection. That's very attractive to me. And it is not that when I'm raised, I will start feeling better and eventually the diseases will go away. No, we must think of resurrection as a miracle of God where he reconstitutes me and the new resurrected body is raised imperishable. We will get new bodies. That's what all this is about. Listen, this is enjoyable reading for people living in fleshly bodies. In 1 Corinthians 15, from 42 down through 49, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus, it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. 
just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Now, we have the same tendencies as the Corinthians. Fleshly curiosity. We are inclined to say, well, now exactly how is this going to work? Paul makes no attempt to answer all our questions or satisfy all our curiosities. He uses analogies to affirm God will do this, and here he says these new resurrected bodies will not be the old bodies of dust, but the new bodies will bear the image of the man of heaven. Do you see, Paul is not giving away God's methods or secrets or anything. He is affirming God can do this. And when he does this, we will have new perfectly well bodies suited to immortality. You see this? The key theme in this section is raising the dead is not a problem for God. God made it possible for seed to be put in soil and yield its fruit. God made different bodies for different creatures. God made those glorious heavenly bodies. Raising the dead is no problem for the Creator, and the new resurrected body will be perfect. Notice in these verses again, what is sown is perishable, what is raised imperishable. What is sown in dishonor, raised in glory, sown in weakness, raised in power, sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. Raising the dead is no problem for the Creator. What he did in raising Christ, he will do again when the last trumpet sounds. And for the people of Christ, it will be glorious. The next part of this is about mystery and victory. I want to read verses 50 through 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Notice, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. These earthly dust-made bodies are not suited to heavenly existence. Thus, when God raises us, we will have an imperishable, immortal, suitable body. 
In all of this, death is swallowed up in victory. The sting of death is removed. Now, the last part of this chapter is exceedingly important and valuable for us today. When Paul dealt with subjects like this that might be considered theological discourse, he always had a practical destination. He always took the discussion to the matter of what we need to be doing in response to the truth he's just argued. So here's what we need to see. Christ was raised from the dead. God will raise Christians to glory and victory. We will be given new resurrection bodies perfectly suited to heaven. All right, so what? What do Christians need to be doing in view of this? Well, that brings us to verse 58. Verse 58 is the practical destination. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I want to stress this. The chapter starts with historical truth about Jesus Christ risen from the dead. It ends with what we ought to be doing, how we ought to be living. Because of the truth about Jesus Christ, we have the hope of a glorious resurrection. I am to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing my labor for the Lord here, your labor, is not in vain. For the Corinthian Christians and for us, even with the world around us embracing and celebrating paganism, idolatry, and all manner of evil, Paul says, do not waver. Excel in the Lord's work, knowing our labor is not in vain. This is a marvelous chapter. With the greatest economy of words, the apostle set forth the main points of the gospel he preached in Corinth and everywhere. A gospel vindicated by scripture, testimony, evidence. They had received this gospel, and some said, there is no resurrection of the dead. Paul said, wait a minute. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, used calm, inevitable, yet relentless logic to demonstrate their error. He affirmed the resurrection of Christ and connected it to our eventual resurrection, illustrated that truth, and gave every Christian reading solid assurance of a fuller and better existence forever in, in heaven with God. Would you like a better body? There are people, some who are listening to this recording, who struggle with pain. There are people here and people we know with bodies corrupted by cancer and weakened by chemotherapy and more recently COVID. Every single one of us are aging. Many of us must diet, visit the doctor, have tests, take pills, and do all sorts of things to keep these natural bodies in some sort of operating condition. Would you like a better body? The faithful in Christ will have one someday, a glorious, resurrected body, spiritual, not natural, yet still preserving individual identity, but without any pain no sickness, no aging or decay, and in our Father's house, there with Him, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, no hospitals, no funeral homes, no more parting, 
Are you interested in this? For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. We invite you to obey the gospel and be a Christian, and we are ready to do whatever we can to assist you. Please get in touch with us and think about sharing these two sermons today. Thank you.